Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. What a surprise. (laughs) I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show, where we talk about and celebrate workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. Thanks for taking time in your busy day to tune in. I really appreciate it. So in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how visuality allows you and me and everyone to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices and visual systems. We install the details of our current level of enterprise excellence, even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or as we know we will be. Whether that's in a factory, a hospital, office, open pit mine, it doesn't matter. It's the world of information because it is the world of work. And why do we do it? We do it for the stunning bottom line benefits, the improvements in safety, in cost, in quality, productivity, 15 to 30% increase in productivity, even if you're already lean on-time delivery improvements, and we do it for the splendid cultural alignment to create a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels, not just operators, but you too. (laughs) And we do it so we enjoy ourselves at work. We enjoy ourselves while we work. And to that I say, oh, wonderful. So welcome. Welcome to Visual Workplace Radio. Thank you. And we're going to begin in a moment, but I just want to remind you to send your comments and your questions, your photographs and your stories to radio at visualworkplace.com, or you can send it through our website, visualworkplace.com, but it will be hard for you to put attachments on our contact sheet at visualworkplace.com, so use radio at visualworkplace.com, that will be better. So today, we are going to talk about the 10 doorways. What is that? It's a model. It's a model that has developed over the last, actually, 30 years. I discovered it on one long, long, long train ride. I was trying to figure out how to put together the things I'm going to be talking to you about today. And it occurred to me that I could segment based on Doorways, why not doorways? Doorways, windows, nah, I did it on doorways. It's called the 10 doorway model. And it basically is the formula on a high level, the formula for visually transforming the workforce. Last week and the week before that and the week before that, we talked about the building blocks and how important they were to visual thinking, to create a framework for thinking about problems in a new way, to think about missing information in a new way, think about the engine that drives that thinking, which is the eye, the eye-driven Make sure you understand what work is and the six core questions and standards. Remember that? Well, this week, those were the building blocks of visual thinking. This week, we're now going to open this model called the 10 doorways and say behind each of those doorways is a different organizational function 
who are all visual thinkers. The people who populate that function, maintenance, office, operator level, value add level, supervisors, engineers, CEOs, the people who populate that function need to be visual thinkers as well. The 10 doorway model is what I present as the model for creating a workforce of visual thinkers. As long as you understand the workforce extends to every employee. Now, not every employee is going to participate 100%. What we're trying to do with the 10 models is to say your function is comprised of information. Let's turn that information into visual devices by using the building blocks of visual thinking so that your function speaks, your engineering department speaks, your maintenance department speaks, the office speaks. Those are the 10 doorways. So I want to walk through, I want to do a scan of the 10 doorways so you know what the uh, various names are. But, you know, before I do... I'm going to ask you to enter into a place called the pre-visual workplace so you understand the before condition through words. This is Visual Workplace Radio, so we're going to be using words, throwing them out into the air, and hoping and knowing that they will reach your ears. The pre-visual workplace is what we address through the 10-doorway model. Every employee takes a piece of it. Every employee should be taking a piece of it. They may not agree to do that. They may kind of hang around the sidelines. That's okay. My particular approach to visuality and people empowerment is not to force the issue, but to instead have confidence that there'll be enough people who say yes to inspire and motivate others. Okay? The outcome isn't to get 100%. The outcome is to get a good feeling of momentum and connectivity and alignment and unity, enough for us to feel as though we're going down this road together. So let me take you into the pre-visual workplace. Imagine, if you will, the highway system or the airport system. Both places are workplaces to some people. And if you're driving in the car, then your value field, if you remember the building blocks, your value field will be that road. That is where you're going to be applying yourself in order to get where you need to go on time and safely, and visual devices will help you if they're there. Same thing with an airport. All of that information that is embedded into the runway and into the gate systems are there to help the people who work at the airport and the pilots do their job so that we, the passengers, can arrive safely, get off the darn plane, and get to our next connection, which we're already late for. So it all has to work. It all has to flow. So imagine that highway system. Imagine that airport system that you see outside the window when you're sitting in your seat, window seat, and see those devices. They ensure that work makes sense. They ensure that the work that needs to be done, what is supposed to happen, does happen. This vast system of visual devices that make our roadways and our airports safe and productive and profitable, right? These are 
the devices that are put there intentionally to share information. Now, if you will, in your imagination, see that roadway, see that runway, and remove the devices in your mind. Remove the devices. Just erase erase the borders or the lines in the road. Erase all of the signs. Erase the information around the airport gate. Erase them all so that there is nothing, nothing except the pavement, nothing except the road itself, the black asphalt or the dirt. The black asphalt, let's say. Just erase them all. Would it be safe to work there? Would it be safe to ride there, to drive there? Would it be productive? Would, for example, at the airport, the passengers have a satisfying experience moving safely and smoothly through their travel schedule? Hmm? Ripple that out through your mind, removing all the visual devices that you've seen on the roadway. What you are doing when you do that is that you are turning the roadway and the airport into a pre-visual workplace. Where there are no visual devices, there is zero visual information sharing. What would that mean? What would the impact of that be? You know what it would be. No information. How are you going to do your work? No information. You're spending 30, 35, 40 hours a week at work, plus maybe some overtime. To what extent does the location speak to you in a language that has meaning, that makes you safe, and that allows you to do your work correctly and precisely and completely? Hmm? You can't do it. That's what's so interesting about the visual workplace. It is negatively powerful when the information is not there and the only way to make that workplace speak for you is to make sure the information is in place when and as you need it. Information is the bedrock of our daily life, but also of our daily work. Easy to access information that is vital. That's visuality. Our roadways, our airports are populated with these devices in order for those value fields to be useful to us. They help us do the right thing, avoid the wrong thing. That's the power of visuality. Why not also at work? Not just on the, in the airport, not just on the roadways, but in our banks, in our hospitals, in our factories, mines, military depots, engineering offices, marketing offices, retail stores, hmm? universities, construction sites. All of these places have a little bit of visuality. But what we're going to be talking about now and for years to come, (laughs) for years to come, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about making the workplace speak. We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to talk about creating a workforce of visual thinkers because in my experience, there is no person or team of people who can make a workplace speak alone. The team has to be all the employees. We know all the employees will use this 
can we also harness their power, their thinking, their visual thinking, to create a workplace that is safe and functional for all of us? Mm-hmm. The 10 doorways. The 10 doorways show us, each of us, how we can learn to minimize and even eliminate the information deficits for ourselves and for others, no matter the organizational level and no matter the cause. So let me just walk you through the 10 doorways so you get a sense of how they work. This will be simply an introduction. And then over the next many weeks, we'll open each of those doorways. We'll talk about the mechanics, the mechanics of the visual devices, but we'll also talk about how to get people involved and the tremendous, the splendid, magnificent cultural impact when you liberate information through visual devices. One of my favorite t-shirts, I like to call it a t-shirt because it's like a a saying that you would put on a t-shirt. The front would say, the liberation of information, and on the back it would say, is the liberation of the human will. When we liberate information, we liberate the will so the will can do its intent whether that's the corporate intent or some other intent of its own. Everyone becomes a visual thinker. Everyone inside your company can be involved, and most of them do get involved. In my experience, when you set this up, may I say the right way, through the building blocks and through a kind of, of, you're going to not like this word, gentle persuasion, not a hammer, not a demand, but a rallying point around logic and effectiveness, people get on board. People want work that makes sense. They actually don't think about it much, but when it comes down to it, they want to be able to go to work and enjoy themselves. And the only way to do that is by creating flow. So that's why I say these 10 Doorways lead to a fully functioning visual enterprise. Here's how it works. Each organizational group, for example, supervisors, managers, engineers, planners, open a specific doorway. And some of these groups are grouped together. We'll look at doorway number two, which is about visual standards. I say that visual standards is a category of visual thinking, a category of visual thinking. The people who own Dory number two visual standards are engineers, managers, and supervisors. They are responsible for identifying, documenting, and publishing accurate, complete, and timely standards. In Dory number two, they make it visual. They make those standards visual. That's doorway number two. Doorway number one is owned by associates, value-add associates. You may call them workers or operators or line people. Mm -hmm. I call them associates as a general term. And they own doorway number one. Doorway number one is about visual order, about the visual wear and visual inventiveness. Now, you may call that 5S. We'll do many programs on 5S, many episodes on 5S. 
I call it visual order, visual inventiveness, the visual wear, or I call it work that makes sense, operator-led visuality. That's doorway number one. That doesn't mean in the doorway system that associates, operators, don't also help to create visual standards, but it's not their direct responsibility any more than identifying the visual wear is exclusively the responsibility of associates. Let me make that clearer for you. Associates can participate in visual standards. I better clear up my language here because I think I just made a stumble. But engineers, managers, and supervisors are responsible for that outcome. They own that outcome. And in my framework, which is, of course, not necessarily the same as yours, mine meaning when I go out and help companies do this conversion, when I train others to do it, I say, we say, operators own that first doorway. They own the visual where they may get help from engineers. Of course, managers, supervisors, the CEO can, can, can come downstairs <laughs> and help. <laughs> But the operators, we say, own that doorway. They are responsible for that outcome because the visual wear is so critically important, indispensable for their own work. They want to own it. They don't want to give it away so that it's improperly or incompletely done. They want to own it. We have found that, and you know that operators glory They glory in the opportunity to own their own workplace, to finally not only have a say, but be responsible for that flow and for the information that is reflected, is embedded in their work areas. They want it. So the 10 doorways work like that. It's a segmentation that allows us to say this, and this is a term of art, this category of visual function belongs to this doorway. And the people who open that door, the people who are responsible for that category of visual function, like visual standards or visual wear, are held accountable. They own the doorway. And I have again and again seen that folks who own the doorway, want to be held accountable. They want to get their hands on these particular clusters of missing information because it makes such an important impact on their job when the information is there, but equally when it isn't there. You know how that works. So I'm going to walk through the 10 doorways, and then we'll say some general things about it and what the benefit is. But I want to say that, I want to kind of, before I go through the 10 doorways, say one more kind of introductory conceptual remark. And that is, the reason why I, in a sense, invented the 10 doorways is because because people at the time, this was in the 1990s, were much too interested in the visual devices and didn't much think about how the devices got put into place and why they were there. They just wanted the devices rather greedily. Rather greedily, they would go to other companies or scour books or knock on our door and say, give me pictures of this, give me pictures of that. 
Now, we have at this point, at, back then we had about 70,000 primary photographs and images and devices in our database. Now we have well over 100,000. And they're cataloged in general. But we don't give them away. <laughs> it's not that we're trying to hold them fast and close to our chest. It's just that if we give the devices away, people will copy the devices. We want them to copy the thinking. (laughs) That's what the building blocks are all about. Learn to think this way, and you will create visual devices that have never been seen on the planet before, not in any book, any factory, and they will be perfect for you, perfect for your work. In fact, when we do, for example, a rollout of the visual wear work that makes sense, operator-level visuality, operator-led visuality, one of our metrics is how many weird devices have been developed, devices that you've never seen before. We consider that to be a robust metric because it happens, and when it happens, it means people are not only thinking, they're inventing, and they are while working within the confines of principles and practices, really making the workplace speak in a voice that they can understand because they themselves have given that voice to the workplace. It means that things are really cooking. We're getting some really good stuff. (laughs) We look for that. Okay? So this framework is to spread the work of letting the workplace speak, and specifically not get caught in the devices, but instead embrace the function. What is the informational function that is lacking from my workplace that I'm still responsible for? Well, let's start walking through the doorways, and I'll map them out for you. Doorway number one, mentioned a moment ago. Owned by value-add associates, operators, line employees. The function, the category of visual function is called visual order, visual inventiveness, the visual wear. Maybe it would help if you think about it as perhaps as 5S on steroids. It's a highly elevated, highly visual 5S. When Ono invented 5S, Taichi Ono, co-architect of the Toyota production system, invented 5S in the late 1950s, about then, 50s, beginning of the 60s, he did it for safety. We're going to do a whole show on Japanese, not a whole show, but pretty substantial part of one show on the Japanese approach to 5S, as I've understood it over the years. But when Ono invented it way, way, way back when... In another century, ladies and gentlemen, he did it because he wanted. He saw that people were feeling unsafe and therefore not productive. From there, in making the workplace safe for his employees so he could get productivity out of them, because remember, Japan was coming out of a devastating war. This was no joking around. This wasn't optional. I got to figure out how to help my people be more productive. If they feel unsafe, I'm going to make them safe. I'm going to do it. And that was the original reason, the original motivation of 5S. And Ono invented it because of that. He wasn't pie in the sky doing something uh, um, 
imaginative and creative. He was trying to solve a practical problem. And then that morphed into, as time went on, the helpfulness of having lines and labels, knowing where things are, repeatability, traceability, and went on from there. But you know, some of you know as well as I know, that 5S can be a kind of a mishmash or a rabbit trap if you're not careful. How do you get the maximum out of it? Well, we'll we'll spend shows on that, I promise you. But this first doorway is addressing the category of visual thinking called where and the visual where. How do I make the where visual? And that's what happens in doorway number one. It belongs to associates. If you're an expert on the value-add level, you better first find out where things are, otherwise you're not going to know how do, you're not going to be able to do your work. You're going to just have a ton of struggle, a ton of questions, a ton of frustration, a ton of unhappiness. Mm, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of operator-level visual solutions. Let me recommend you to, happens to be my book, Work That Makes Sense, that contains 900 visual solutions in full color, explained, talking about this doorway number one. It's dedicated to doorway number one. And many, many, many aspects that really move the notion of 5S into something much more uh, comprehensive, exquisitely and magnificently comprehensive for the operator's engagement and the nourishment of their spirit and their performance. That's doorway number one. We go through a protocol, a methodology, and the outcome is the visual wear. Doorway number two for engineers and managers and supervisors, visual standards. Two types of standards which you learned in the building blocks, technical standards, your product and process specifications, and procedural standards, your SOPs, your work methods. Supervisors, managers, and engineers own this doorway because they're responsible for providing, as I said before, accurate, precise, complete, and timely standards, specification, technical standards, and procedural standards, and then making them in this doorway visual. So you're doing what you're normally doing. You're documenting standards. You're doing your standard work. You're making sure it's clear. Now make them visual. The right and the wrong way of taping an electrical wiring harness. An SOP for crushing apart. Whatever it may be. It's your job anyway. And in visuality, make it it visual. And I want to say about doorway number two and visual standards, to the irritation of some listeners, that even though the documentation of your standards is absolutely bedrock, Visually speaking, this is not a powerful contribution to a workplace that speaks because visual standards tell you how and with pictures, but they don't make you do it. And as we move along, you'll come to understand, if you don't already, you may already know this, great, that the power of the visual device is the determiner of will the behavior happen repeatedly and reliably 
for whomever. So visual standards are not powerful. They're very important, but they can't get the behavior change. This is something else that's fundamental to visuality and why it is so important to your operational excellence. Visuality is a behavioral model. It is, in my experience, the most powerful way to create aligned behavior, not just aligned ideas or aligned agreement, but actual behaviors in the world, on the planet, in the cosmos, anywhere. You got a physical environment, visual devices embed the behavior, or they can. And that's why we talk about visuality as going deeper. So in doorway number two, we do it. We need it. ISO requires it. Your engineering requires it. You need documented procedures. You need clear specs. Make them visual. You've done the doorway. Don't expect a big behavior change. You'll get some. Of course you will. But so much more is available. As we move through the doorways, let's move to doorway number three. Doorway number three is pretty much for planners, supervisors, and managers. It's called visual scheduling, visual displays. You may know it as production control boards, although that's somewhat of a limiting um, label, production control boards. There are huge, there is a huge variety of visual displays, But what they are not is flat surfaces where you write things. They are interactive. They have moving parts. They have dimensions of meaning. They answer, you may remember this from the building block discussion we had three episodes ago, I'm pretty sure, the need to know. They respond to the need to know of the planner, supervisor, manager, could be engineer if you're out there on the floor or engineer if you're tracking a project, active work. They answer the need to know and they do it visually and interactively so that the truth change, the board changes as the truth changes. The board changes as the truth changes. So the board is responding to reality to all of that information that changes all the time in every workplace. Specs, order, everything. Managers, supervisors, and planners create visual displays, visual scheduling, so they can track what they need to track, what needs to be done in what quantity, by when, where, and by whom, many, 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 many formats. When we do a training in this, Head guy or woman stands up at the front of the class. There's going to be 22, 25 people tops in the room because this is very, very hands-on. And they're going to say, hey, there's 22 of you. I'm really glad you're here. I'll be back tomorrow about mid-morning to look at your displays so we can talk about them and so we can maybe find greater connectivity. But here's the thing. I need them not to look alike. I need them to be different and to look different because you all have different needs to know. And I do not want you to get the idea that we are going to standardize these displays right now. They will all move and be shaped into a more recognizable format as we move along. But I need the granularity of your mind on that piece of paper, on those widgets that you're moving around. 
I need you in this. I need your personality. I need your preferences. I need your aesthetic. I want them to be different. So you can learn from each other, but do your own thing. I value that. Don't worry about standardization, ladies and gentlemen. What you want in visuality is visual best practices. They need to be robust. And there will be an alignment that happens as the need pulls it into place. But at the beginning, help your supervisors know what they need to know. I like to call it the supervisor's pain or what's eating your lunch. But that's what happens for planners and managers and supervisors and anyone else who's mostly dealing with a high level of variety caused by someone else that they are nonetheless responsible for. That's what displays are for. And visual scheduling. If you do it that way, your visual scheduling will easily evolve into an obeya room or even a war room. Easily. And these master schedules will tell you where the problems are in your production system or if you're in an office in your, in your work system. Have confidence in that. That's doorway number three. It's an incredibly powerful doorway. You don't want cookie-cutter displays. You really want people's brain on the board so they can see what they're thinking. And they can see how reality is interacting with what they're thinking. Let's move on to doorway number four. Doorway number four is the executive doorway. We group with the executives in this ownership, managers and supervisors. But it's really the executives who own this doorway. We call it the visual leadership doorway. They are responsible for identifying the problem-solving methodologies that are going to be used in the company. They are the people, the executives responsible for naming the metrics, checking the metrics, and when we get really lucky, driving the metrics. So there are three components. Starting from the bottom, visual metrics, visual problem solving, we're moving up, visual leadership. There's much to say about this, but I'm not going to say it today. Want to finish the 10 doorways? Company leaders are responsible for maintaining focus on the vision, the mission, and the goals of the enterprise, driving them through metrics, KPIs to begin with. Later on, you'll learn about other metrics if you stick with this. Key performance indicators and then metrics that drive and solving problems and solving them permanently and then populating solutions across the enterprise. Doorway 4 helps leaders make that happen visually. They are also, this doorway is also about Hoshin. About Hoshin, your operation systems improvement template or what you might call the house of Toyota the X-Type Matrix, a favorite of mine, and the Operations Roadmap, which is a translation of the company's vision and mission and goals for the value-add level. So that's doorway number four. These are formats, and they speak in the language of the executive, and supervisors learn that language, managers learn that line, that language, and visuality makes it all align. That's doorway number four. Fantastic. Doorway number five. You know, maybe I should have named all the doorways off to begin with. I might have made a a mistake in learning there. Doorway number five 
is for supervisors and planners and material handlers. It's about visual pull systems and visual controls, the control of material. The role of planners, engineers, supervisors, and material handlers is determining the order and flow of materials into the work areas. This can be offices. It's the same thing. They own doorway number five there. First task is the control of material in terms of quantity and usage. And then when the rest of the organization and the schedule has kind of caught up, doorway number five takes the lead in implementing visual pull systems, creating pull. Ono said, flow where you can, pull where you must. And in many organizations, you really have to implement pull in order to get control of your schedule. So Dory number five is about visual pull systems, beginning with visual limits or visual controls, min-max letters, uh, sorry, min-max levels. For example, that's an example. Kanban is another example of a pull system. It's also the control of material, but now within a framework of time. Okay, fantastic. That's story number five. Doorway number six is about quality. It is your pokey oak doorway. Visual guarantees, I call them to keep it within the dictionary or the lexicon of visuality. Visual guarantees. Engineers in your quality department are responsible for product and process quality. Doorway six focuses on that. The smartest, surest, quickest way for that to happen. Visual guarantees pokey oak systems. So your quality techs will learn how to build 100% inspection into the process of work, and they will teach others how to do it. They will become masters of the technology, and operators become masters of cause on the attribute level. This is masters of cause on the attribute level. This is another T-shirt. Masters of cause on the front and on the back on the attribute level. No more mistakes. I recommend to you our wonderful online training system, or in person if you want us to, that I co-authored with Martin Hinckley, who's my NASA scientist. And he did his PhD many, many, many years ago on mistake-proofing. And it's just hair-raising how important it is to track, to, sorry, you can't track them, to understand that cause is mistakes. Oh, I could, we'll spend a show and I'll bring him on. And we'll talk about the numbers behind mistakes versus uh, variation. They're very, very different. But that's what doorway number six is. So doorway number one is the visual wear. Doorway number two is visual standards. Doorway number three is visual displays, visual scheduling, production control boards. Doorway number four is your executive visual leadership that includes metrics and visual problem solving. Doorway number five is material control through visual controls and through visual pull systems. And doorway number six is quality. I mentioned those through Pokey Oak Systems. I mentioned those six because those six are core. When we get to doorway number seven, interestingly, in this model... (laughs) We take the first six and we apply it to a different venue, to a specific venue. We take those six doorways I just named and we apply it to the machine, the visual machine. This doorway is owned by maintenance, but of course operators participate in it. Of course, making the machine speak through visual devices. When machines become visual, 
everybody knows how to run them and maintain them at a glance. And when a machine, a visual machine needs a fix, we know we know it almost before the machine does. <laughs> the machine speaks and maintenance can do its repairs quickly. The whole tool room, tool making room is visually organized as is your lubrication system. 80% of all machine problems are caused by mistakes in lubrication, too much, too little, the wrong lubrication, too late, too much, too early, too much, too early, clogging up everything, the blood of the machine. We love to teach this. We'll have it online soon-ish. It's been burning in my mind, but you know what? We live in a time-bound universe, and I got to do things sequentially, and there's just so much I can lean upon the folks who work on my team uh, without breaking them. But I'm very, very anxious to get these out now to you. Visual machine, doorway number seven. You apply the whole thing, the visual wear, visual displays, pokey yoke, pull system, the whole previous six doorways, you apply them to the machine. That's doorway number seven. Doorway number eight, we take those six core doorways, <laughs> solid core doors, <laughs> we apply it to the office, the visual lean office. 70% of all costs begin in the company office and in support areas. Let's make that area visual. Let's get better at what happens in an office. We're not just talking about lines and labels. We're talking about functionality. And here, the doorway, I've called it the visual lean office because I believe that the marriage between lean and visual is immediate in an office. You work on that really hand in hand. On the shop floor, when we discuss implementation, I'm going to say, look, either begin with lean uh, or if you will, the old JIT, pull, critical path, time, begin with lean or begin with visual, but don't try to do the two at once for your first three or four cycles. You won't get what part is visual. You won't get what part is lean. So do them separately. They're exquisitely separatable. Do them separately. But in the office, we pretty much do them in parallel, simultaneously, if you will. Not quite simultaneously, but certainly not uh, sequentially. So that's doorway number eight, the visual lean office. Doorway number nine, very special team we called the macro team. This macro team is in, vi- is in charge of the macro visual environment. Doorway number nine macro-visual environment. As areas gather speed on the visual journey, the company forms a special team to coordinate visuality across the enterprise. The team is typically comprised of ace, ace, master, visual thinkers who pay attention to the big picture. They identify the, they identify the need for and they create linkages. The need for link, linkages They identify the need for special kind of linkages, visual linkages between departments, and then they create them. 
That's a major part of their work to link up the departments in your enterprise visually so the handoff is also visual. So they're making these visual bridges between functions called your departments. And the second job they do is they pinpoint visual best practices or best practices in the, ma- in the making and they populate or transpollinate those. One of the great weaknesses in the improvement methodologies of too many companies is that they get great solutions, but they don't have a mechanism for populating them. So that's the visual macro team. And yes, value add associates sit on this team as well, of course. This is a very, this is a kind of, this is a project-based team. They are working from project to project. There's more to be said and we will say it. And I will also say that they get set up pretty much um, when you open doorway number one. Within a couple of months at, at the most, you open a visual macro team. Okay? So that's doorway number nine. Very powerful behind-the-scenes work. It's part of your, what I call, your improvement infrastructure. So these methodologies that I'm describing, these categories of visual function, really are tantamount to structuring in an improvement architecture behind the scenes in your company. It's one of their great benefits. You don't just teach the methodology. You need to groom and cultivate the support mechanisms, and we call that the infrastructure. Very, very important. When we do a rollout of work that makes sense, looks like we're going to be starting a consortium of four companies. I just recently moved to New England, (laughs) and I have many wonderful friends here, colleagues, and it looks as though we're going to make my dreams come true. I've been wanting this forever, to have three or four companies work together so they can strengthen each other and inspire each other. And all four of them are going to go through a visual conversion starting on uh, with doorway number one, work that makes sense. And as we are beginning to talk about this and they're getting, they're understanding the scope, we talk about building the infrastructure simultaneously. Okay, doorway number 10. Doorway number 10 is is a bit of a hybrid. I call it the exam awards process. And what it is, is it's a framework that we've developed in working with several large companies that will ensure that visual best practices are tied together and that these visual best practices continue to grow for maximum success, not only across the company or the site, but across the enterprise, especially if there's multiple sites. This is setting up a visual language across the enterprise. We do that through a kind of self-exam awards process. It's pretty precise. It does have paperwork. It teaches principles. And we think it's a very good way of making sure that people continue to think visually as they continue to expand the visual language, visual information sharing. That's doorway number 10. Those last four doorways, doorway number 7, visual machine, doorway number 8, visual lean office, pardon me, doorway number 9, just a moment, 
the visual macro team for the macro environment, and Dory number 10, the exam awards process, owned really, may I say, by special teams, but pretty much everybody. Talk about it. These are the 10 doorways. Those are the last four. The 10 doorways. This is my mechanism, and I believe we've been very successful for creating a workforce of visual thinkers. I'm currently working with a company in Mexico that has opened six of those doorways in the last two years, two and a half years. We're just moving on to a second plant. And it it's, you know, it's really wonderful to see <laughs> when these things work. It's working again. It's working. And what we have is benefits that are actually nameable. They are benefits that have to do with outcomes that you pretty much would give your eye teeth for. You not only allow work to happen because vital workplace information is available and you're able to pull it to you, but you also have this increasing sense of safety because people have learned that they can depend on themselves for good outcomes, for one thing. They can depend on others, and the environment is rich with vital information that anyone and everyone can access at a glance. We begin to feel a sense of safety, safety in body, but also safety in mind and also safety in heart. We depend on others, and they're there for us. We can reach a new level of trust with our work environment and the people who work with us in it. Visuality puts us powerfully in the driver's seat of our own work. And there's plenty of room on that bus for everyone. <laughs> Mixing my metaphors wildly. So work happens. We have a sense of safety. And we're a workforce of visual thinkers so that you and me, we can spot right away information deficits, missing information, and we can eliminate them through solutions that are visual. We become scientists of our own work. We become masters of cause. We become, remember this, scientists of motion. We're digging deeper and deeper. Remember our story about Paulette and the incredible redefinition of what the value field was through their own work, their own understanding. From the department to the bottom of the microscope, the stage of the microscope. We also become partners in the physical work, where where work actually happens. We learn to expect more from the floor than simply the capacity to hold us up. (laughs) We expect more from the physical objects on our desks and carts and benches We expect more from our machines. We have relationships, partnerships that deepen our appreciation and our use of what used to just be inanimate things that got in our way. Now we're beginning to see, ah, we can have an alliance through visuality. And the bottom line, oh my goodness, 15 to 30%, so far the highest that has been tracked has been a 42% increase in Uh, productivity on the cell level. Make no mistake, when you share vital information visually, what is supposed to happen does happen. And 
and your entire work area and the KPIs that reflect it improve. You have lots and lots and lots of documentation. Another benefit you get from a workforce of visual thinkers is company-wide alignment. When the visual solutions in your area get linked up with the solutions in other areas, the organization is connected like the human body is connected. And like your own physical body, the company knows what is happening in all its parts and can begin to function holistically. We're connected. Alignment follows. And you know what comes next? What comes next is unity, which I consider to be an incredible benefit that is not often spoken of. Visuality liberates information, and as a result, it liberates the human will. And when we take information out of our minds in the filing cabinets and install it instead into the physical living landscape of work, we move through our day with confidence and skill and flow. We contribute to our well-being and the well-being of our company. We feel powerful because we are powerful. And this brightness grows in us. So that is the scan. That is the scan of the 10 doorways. Next week, we'll begin doorway number one and go into some depth, not complete, but we'll probably do two or three shows. I am so happy to share this with you. So happy to uh, know that you are listening and interested. Please be in touch with us through radio at visualworkplace.com. Please come back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off, and I want to tell you how much I am looking forward to the next time, and thank you very, very much for listening. See you again. Thank you for joining us this week at Visual Workplace Radio. Tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, with your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Let the workplace speak. We'll be right back.